Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Oh boy, is it going to be a big news day today. I'm glad you're here. Don't worry. Yeah. I am going to get the horse blinders on and refocus everybody's attention straight ahead. The media is trying to distract you in the crowd. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Happy day. It's Monday, Dano. Yeah, it's Monday. Get <laughs> ready. Go. You're going to have to listen to this show twice. All right. Because I think we have finally figured most of this out. I spent the whole weekend working. Um, one quick note before we get started. Um, the media is desperate to cover up what's going on in Paris right now, folks. Unrelated to the story I'm going to talk about today. Hmm. Paris, there are massive protests and riots going on in Paris right now over a gas tax. It's a tax riot. Yeah. But as my friend Derek Hunter, Joe knows and pointed mm-hmm. out on Twitter, it's hysterical how CNN covers this. These people are so desperate to get the narrative and not the story out there. CNN covered it, Joe, as a riot over rising fuel prices. <laughs> right? Fuel prices have been going down. <laughs> Do you not follow the news? Fuel prices oh. are in the can. Oil's at like $50 or below a barrel. Did you media idiots at CNN miss this? It has nothing to do with your, quote, rising fuel prices. This has everything to do. (laughs) Everything to do with government taxes on fuel. You idiots. Oh, my gosh. I get so sick of these people and the narrative, the narrative. Just tell the truth. Man alive, as my father would say. It's just ridiculous. It's a protest over taxes, you knuckleheads. Man. All right. Uh, I got some. I'm going to blow your mind today. Here we so go. go nowhere. All right. All right. Today's show brought to you by buddies at WaxRx. You know how much I love my sponsors. And I only work with companies I believe in that have a product or service of value to you. I use WaxRx. I could have used it back in my days as a federal agent with that earpiece in my ear all day because I had a significant problem with wax buildup. And you're not supposed to stick those cotton swabs in your ear. Just read the back. The directions It's very dangerous. It's for the outside of the ear. So how do you get earwax buildup out? Well, the answer is WaxRx. Here's a customer review we got and I wanted to share with you. I used to have to go to the doctor twice a year to get rid of my stubborn, hard ear wax. With the rising cost of healthcare and my double deductible, I'd have to spend $60 a visit. That's $120 a year to treat my ears. Now I can do it myself with WaxRx and a significant savings that doesn't require me to miss a half a day of work. Thank you, WaxRx. This stuff is amazing. I use it. My wife uses it. Uh, you'll be surprised if you yours. Right now, you can try the WaxRx system by typing in GoWaxRx.com. That's GoWaxRx.com. Use offer code DAN at checkout. Offer code DAN for free shipping. Don't wait. You have no idea what you might be missing because of inner earwax. Who knows? It may change your life. GoWaxRx.com. Offer code DAN. All right. Folks, Friday show, I was very candid with you that I was still putting information together because we had a significant story that broke. The story that broke on Friday was that a, a government informant, a whistleblower, who had given the special, uh, excuse me, the inspector general information on the Clinton Foundation. In other words, a whistleblower on the Clinton Foundation, for some bizarre reason, had his home raided by the FBI, I guess about 12 days ago or something now. I had said to you that, I'm still trying to put together exactly what's going on here. And the questions we should all ask are obvious at this point. If the guy was a whistleblower, this guy's last name is Kane. If this guy Kane, Mr. Kane was a whistleblower, in other words, providing information to the inspector general, the government internal affairs guy, Michael Horowitz. Right. And Horowitz is investigating the Clinton Foundation. This is a good thing, Joe. 
Because a lot of us have been concerned about corruption within the Clinton Foundation. Why would you raid his house? Now, I've had a number of conversations with people I respect greatly. I have a slight difference of opinion with a few of them. But I've been at this all weekend and on Friday night trying to sum up and get inside my head here from a federal agent's perspective why you would do that. Joe, if you are cooperating with the government on an investigation, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, And giving up information on the Clinton Foundation and potential, uh, uh, you know, alleged money laundering or or corrupt activities, right? Yeah. Do you would you I mean, the way to ingratiate yourself with a whistleblower who's providing information freely is probably not to do what, Joe? Probably not to raid his house, Pro- right? Probably not. No, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> just, we're just guessing. Now, Joe and I have not been the subject that, knock on wood, thankfully, of an FBI raid. <laughs> Joe's knocking on his skull. That's not yeah. wood. But whatever. We get it. I get your point. The way to ingratiate yourself to whistleblowers who are helping you provide evidence in a case is not to raid their house. What am I getting at? There's two different theories going on right now, but I don't think they are mutually exclusive. I think both sides are kind of missing this fight. One theory going on right now is that this is a good thing, that this is a mop-up operation. They're putting the bow on the, uh, they're wrapping up the gift that they're ready to present to DOJ to prosecute and take down the Clinton Foundation. Now, I just told you why. So we clear with track one. Here's the lead. There are two theories going on. I think I, I, uh, I think I figured it out. And again, I don't think they're separate, but there's kind of this fight going on amongst very, very smart people. I want to be clear on this. I have a lot of respect for, I don't, I'm just giving you my opinion and they are very respectful of me too, but I don't, I think some of them are missing it. Theory number one, and I will post one of these pieces uh, uh, up at uh, the show notes today. You'll read them all. You'll see all the different perspectives. Please read the show notes. Is that again, this is a good thing. It's a mop-up operation, and it's just designed to kind of say get chain of custody down on the FBI and their evidence against the Clinton Foundation and get the original evidence. All right. All right. So I want to explain that because it's not entirely illogical. Mm -hmm. There's clearly something going on right now within the government. John Solomon uh, appeared on Hannity's show on Friday night. We'll be on again tonight. uh, Mr. Kane will be on tonight, uh, the whistleblower as well on Hannity. Do not miss this show. At nine o'clock, wink and a nod. Do not miss Hannity tonight. Trust me on this one. Listen to this show and then go listen to Hannity tonight at nine o'clock and it'll make sense. There's clearly something going on against the Clinton Foundation. So theory one is they went to this guy's house to get the evidence um, to have kind of a good solid chain of custody, have the original evidence, have the guy's documents. Explaining this briefly, the theory is that the guy turned over copies of these co- documents indicating there was corruption within the Clinton Foundation, the Clinton sphere and the Uranium One case. Copies. That the FBI. Right. So the FBI went to the house to get the originals. All right. Here's why I, I have a little bit of an issue with that theory. If you look at the lawyer's statement for the whistleblower, the lawyer for the whistleblower. He's not happy about what happened. <laughs> So if you're a whistleblower and you're just involved in a chain of custody thing and turning over voluntarily information, number one, why would there be a search warrant? You wouldn't need a search warrant. Remember, in the federal system, for me to get evidence, if I want to get evidence from Joe, I'm investigating Joe for bank robbery, there's a couple ways I can do it. Consent. In other words, if Joe robbed a bank with a knife and Joe says, okay, I'm going to cooperate, I turn over the knife, Joe, You can. it's called consent. There's nothing illegal about that. No. If Joe gives consent for me to take evidence, I can. T- I don't need a warrant. 
Does everybody understand that? Consent is an exception to the evidence rules, the gathering of evidence rules. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm not saying it in precise legalese. I'm trying to make it easy to understand. That's the good. government just can't go in Joe's house and take evidence. They need a warrant. But there are exceptions. There's an, a, a pursuit exception. If they chase someone chases Joe into the house because he just tried to kidnap a child. And in the process of chasing Joe in the house, he sees a bunch of drugs. You don't have to turn that away. There's a vehicle exception because of the mobility of it. I mean, it's not a legal class. I'm just trying to say there are exceptions. Mm -hmm. But the consent one is a big one. When you're a cop in the street or a federal agent, if a a subject agrees to turn it over, you can just take it. So my point here is, why go get a search warrant? If this guy was a whistleblower and had already agreed by consent, you tracking me, Armacost? You're the ombudsman. Follow me here. The audience needs you today more than ever. If the guy had already consented to turn over key evidence in the Clinton Foundation case, the whistleblower, Kane, then why the hell would the FBI go get a search warrant and hit his door? And why would his lawyer be extra super pissed off in a statement he put out there? I'm not knocking anybody else at all. These are brilliant people. And if you read my stuff, and the only reason I'm not naming names because I don't want people to take any of this the wrong way. I'm not pretending to be the mastermind of this. People have done great work, and I posted their articles for you to review independently. I'm just suggesting, giving my experience, this is what I believe I offer you at the table. I don't mean it in a pat myself on the back way. In my experience, you don't hit a door with a search warrant on a cooperator. There's no need to. Makes no sense. No, yeah. None. None. He's consented to give you the information. It doesn't make sense. He's given you the evidence. Why would you hit his door in a search warrant? Why would his lawyer be upset? So that's why I don't believe theory number one, that this is a good thing, Joe. In other words, the FBI is just uh, crossing the T's and dotting the I's. I don't believe that is absolutely correct, but I don't believe it's absolutely wrong either. I'll get to that in a second. Let me give you theory two. Okay, good. Stay on me, brother, because I need you now. Okay. Theory number two, which is what I put out on Friday, and I gave you a hybrid theory. Is that this is a really bad thing, Joe, that people in the FBI understand that this Clinton Foundation whistleblower knows things about FBI and DOJ corruption in the in the Uranium One deal. And this was an effort to hit his house to get custody of the information themselves so they have some of an idea about what's going on when they're hit to it. Now, some people emailed me over the weekend, fairly enough, lawyers and a lot of smart people. I read your feedback and said, Dan, that doesn't make sense. Were you suggesting that the FBI, so just to be clear, theory number two is the FBI, this is a cover-up operation. Mm -hmm. Theory number one, the Clintons are in a world of trouble, the FBI's got them, and they're just getting the evidence. Theory number two is the FBI hit the house to make the evidence go bye-bye, to ghost it. That is not what I was suggesting on Friday. The FBI, the men and women there are not going to do that. I know it. They are not going to do You can't. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I don't do conspiracy theory junk. The FBI at the at the at that level, it is an it's a search where it's not a clandestine warrant. Everybody knows you can go read the document yourself. There's no way they're gonna hit a house and then make all the evidence disappear from a government whistleblower. He's just gonna go and go, hey, they stole my stuff. And then someone's gonna put in a FOIA and say, Hey, FBI, where's the evidence you collected from the house? Oh, we didn't collect anything. The government whistleblower is gonna say, No, they did. They hit my house. Here's the warrant. Okay. I'm, I, you tracking me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was not Real suggesting good. the FBI was trying to make the evidence disappear. And I, my, forgive me, 
for not making that clear. I was suggesting on Friday that the FBI and the DOJ, management level people at the FBI who were involved in this, must be aware at this point that their level of involvement in the Uranium One Spygate DOJ scandals involving the Obama era and Clinton era are very bad and that somebody is closing in on them. They are looking to probably get a look at this information independently themselves. Now, you get what I'm saying? Now, some of you may say, well, the FBI already and people in the government involved in this already have this information because it was a whistleblower. He gave the information. The information was also given to the Select Committee on Intelligence in the Senate. So in other words, what, what, Dan, why hit the House again? They already have the information, too. If the FBI is involved in this, why hit the House again to get information they already have? Because, folks, I believe they're trying to find out the scope of what this guy really knows. Just because he's a whistleblower, don't assume he's a full-blown cooperator. Everybody's got secrets. If I was a whistleblower... And I stepped off the cliff and I gave him the information, uh, air quotes. I would hold something back to cover my ass. Yes. That happens all the time. Yes. Bingo. What is he holding back? My suggestion to you Friday was that not that the Bureau was going to hit the and ghost all the evidence. You can't do folks. There's no way to do that. I'm telling you, it doesn't happen. Not in a warrant everybody can look at the details on. You have to fill out a warrant return to the court. Do you know this? No. I can't serve a warrant on Joe's house for a bank robbery and say, uh, I didn't find it unless there's legitimately nothing there. There's a warrant return, which you have to disclose to the court what you took. They're going to know what they took. Why? Because the whistleblower was there. Let's not be silly about this. I wasn't trying to suggest they were trying to make the evidence disappear. There, I believe somebody's trying to get a look at what this whistleblower really has. Bingo. Folks. Now, some of you, the real some of you out there putting this together, you're like, okay, well, I don't get it. Well, if you're suggesting on one hand it's a good thing, and on the other hand, people are suggest people are suggesting on one hand it's a good thing, Clinton Foundation screwed. On the other hand, it's a bad thing. They're trying to make this case go away by seeing what people know about them. What's your hybrid theory? Folks, I've been on this all weekend, and I'm pretty sure I'm closing in on it. I'm so stoked about this show. I'm so <laughs> nervous about it. This is the first time I've been on the air, and I've been nervous in a while. And I don't mean anxious like ner- you can tell by my voice. I mean, <laughs> I so want you to get what I'm saying that I'm terrified it's not going to come across. I even said it to my wife. My poor wife, she jumps out of the shower this morning. I, we have this huge bathroom. I jump in, and I'm like, I got it. I got it. Folks. I think there is a Manichaean struggle going on right now in the government. I think both of those theories are true. I think the Clinton Foundation and the major players involved in the in the, in the Obama administration were involved in a scandal bigger than any of you and I know about. Now, the details and the backbone of the scandal, if you've been listening to the show, you're already aware of. So I believe, yes, you all should be sitting there going, is justice finally coming? I think it is. But I believe story number two has elements of truth to it too, Joe. Yeah. I believe story number two is the people involved in it are absolutely panicking right now and are doing everything they can 
to get their hands on every bit of information they can so they're going to have at some point plausible deniability. Yes. They're going to say, well, I didn't know. This guy did it. Comey did it. McCabe did it. We didn't do it. Why? Because they are desperate to preserve the reputation of the FBI and DOJ. I told you that was the purpose of the Mueller probe from day one to come in here and sweep all of this garbage under the rug and preserve the reputation of the Department of Justice and the FBI at all costs. Keep the attention on Trump. I get it that this part's a little confusing. But let me describe to you this fight right now. This is a Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier level fight going on right now. And the fight, I believe, is best summed up by describing it as Michael Horowitz versus Bob Mueller and the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. Michael Horowitz is the inspector general. Michael Horowitz, as you well know, was involved and has been involved in a long and ongoing investigation into the Clinton email scandal, the Clinton Foundation, the Crossfire Hurricane Spygate debacle. Horowitz's report has been the the genesis of, think about it, all of the stuff we found out about. The Clinton Foundation malfeasance, a lot of the texts that came out between Stroke and Page. Where did that come from? That came from Horowitz. This has been going on for a long time. I think Horowitz has finally put the puzzle together and the Mueller probe and the SSCI, the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, and the Democrats and anti-Trump Republicans that were deeply involved in the Spygate disaster know exactly what's going on. And there is a massive fight going on right now between these two. Now, what's fascinating is right about the time that this whistleblower's home is raided, this Michael Cohen thing happens in this surprise appearance in court, Trump's lawyer, and Michael Cohen pleads to a a, a lying to Congress charge. People lie to Congress all the time. Why charge Cohen? Well, as the conservative treehouse guys pointed out this weekend, and I, I saw this on TV and I thought, man, I hope somebody writes this up. And they did. They did. Good for them. Conveniently timed, right around the time in this time frame where they hit this FBI guy's house, a referral from the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. We find out this weekend from Mark Warner, the Democrat on the Committee on Intelligence, that he was the one who has been working with the Mueller probe and referred the case about lying to Congress to the Mueller probe. Think about this. Mark Warner, the Democrat who is knee deep in this entire Spygate scandal, Texting with the lobbyists working for a Russian connected to Putin, trying to connect people with Dan Jones, the Feinstein staffer who has been paid by Fusion GPS, according to multiple reports, to keep this investigation going into Trump. Mark Warner on the Democrat connected to, I mean, he, this guy's a Virginia Democrat where Terry McAuliffe was the governor, the Clinton consigliere. This guy is the centerpiece of the deep Senate corruption in the effort to take down Trump. He is known the entire time what's going on here brennan briefed them this guy's aware of all of the department of justice fbi malfeasance in the spygate case and is the centerpiece of this whole thing his texts get mysteriously leaked who did that who leaked his texts now warner goes on face the nation this weekend and tells the um the host of the show that they're, uh, the Senate Committee on Intelligence are the ones working with Bob Mueller to get uh, people uh, locked up and charged with lying to Congress. Folks, 
Mueller and the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence that has been knee deep in this entire operation to take down Trump. I believe, understand, understand why I'm telling you all this. Why are they panicking? Why are all these anti-Trump moves happening? Oh, Cohen hitting the door of the whistleblower. They're happening because I believe they know Horowitz is about to issue a report on this or is about to refer people for charges here on the Clinton Foundation and the massive scandal. And they are panicked and in a desperate effort to get the Mueller team to do something, anything to keep the attention on Donald Trump at all times to do what? To frighten Donald Trump away from unredacting and disclosing all of the documents in this case, exposing this massive scheme inside our government. Folks, this is a Tyson Lennox Lewis massive fight going on right now. It is clear as day to anybody paying attention. That's why I'm telling you these stories are not completely different. Read Jeff Carlson's piece in my show notes today at the Epoch Times. Read it. He talks about four distinct investigations happening at the same time. So, guys, ladies, let me just... uh, Ah, really, I'm like terrified you're not going to get this. I really am. You're good so far with me. You're good. Okay, good. Yeah, we're cool. I'll let you know. The, the lead. Thank you. The lead of this story, the headline in Dan Bongino's head. Mm-hmm. Michael Horowitz now finally has the goods and the, is about to hit the fan. All right. The Clinton Foundation, Spygate, the relationship between all this, everything, everything. Mueller, who's involved in this, involved in Uranium One, his people he knows were involved in the DOJ FBI effort to spy on Trump. Mueller is knee deep in all of this, just like the Senate Committee on Intelligence that has been an active player in the setup of Donald Trump, realizes that about to hit the fan and is doing everything they can to work with the Mueller team to keep the heat on Trump and charge anyone with anything so that the media keeps the attention on Trump and avoids the obvious. Do not miss Hannity's show tonight. You will TiVo it. I don't care. what. If you don't have cable, go to your friend's house. If your friend doesn't have cable, go to a bar and have him put on Hannity at 9 o'clock. Do not miss this. What have I told you from day one? Folks, I, I, I can't tell you how I know. I just can tell you I've said this. I can't tell you how and why. It'll make sense one day when the statute of limitations is up. I'm not talking about criminality. I'm talking about the morally and ethical statute of limitations on burning people. I don't do that. I have told you from the start, Joe, what about John Solomon Mm -hmm. from the Hill? He knows the whole thing, folks. He understands the whole scandal. He has been slowly but surely dripping stuff out to lead you down a path that we are finally coming to the end of. And you sh- and this is why I said in that viral speech, listen, I am hoping Hillary Clinton and our team goes down with all this. But I was very clear in the speech because some of you were upset, and I mean it, that the three-letter people involved, Brennan, Holder, at DOJ, Comey, I am absolutely convinced some of these people are facing a serious judicial reckoning in the court system. You should be smiling a little bit today. Something is definitely happening. On the Carlson piece, I don't want to lose my thought on that, though. 
He has four distinct investigations. He sums up in his piece. Read it. How there may be an interconnection here between massive amounts of international money laundering. He ties these four cases together from Chicago to Deutsche Bank to the whistleblower case to the Faruqi case. How all of these cases may be tied together to an ongoing DOJ operation began a long time ago. Do you remember the Take It East stuff? Again, I can't say to you why or how. I can just tell you. I'm not making this up. You were so mad at me for that. Take it easy. We want to see action. Do you understand how complicated this case is? I think Carlson is onto something. That there is a massive operation happening right now to scoop up people involved in the laundering of money to influence people in the United States government. And the Uranium One case is probably at the center of a lot of this. Dig what I'm telling you. Stuff is going down. And it's going down hard. And the Mueller and SSCI teams on the Senate and the Democrats involved are panicking because they're involved in it. Now, let me explain to you why they are panicking. Who the players are. You know what? Before I get to that, let me do one quick. I'm sorry, because yeah. this is going to take a minute. I don't want to interrupt. And anyway, I do have to my sponsors are very good to me and our audience. And uh, I appreciate uh, your patience. They're great companies. Um, today's show also brought to you by buddies at iTarget. The iTarget Pro system is the finest system out there for improving your marksmanship with a firearm. Listen, we all know two things matter if you're going to be a responsible firearm owner. Safety, safety first, and proficiency. God forbid you're involved in a self-defense scenario. You have to be able to defend yourself, which requires good proficiency and training with that firearm. The problem is it takes time. It takes money. Going to the range is expensive. Some of us don't even have a range anywhere close to us, right? So one of the best ways to practice proficiency with your firearm from home, you don't have to buy any special equipment for this system, is the iTarget Pro system. What is the iTarget Pro system? The iTarget Pro system is a laser round they will send you for the firearm you have now. You don't have to manipulate or do anything. You don't have to buy special barrels, whatever you have. I have a Sig Sauer 365, a Glock 43. I have a number of weapons out there. They're they're 9mm. They will send you a 9mm laser round. You insert into a safely unloaded, check it, check it twice, check it three times for safety. You safely unload that firearm. You put the laser round in the chamber. And when you're at the range or you're, of course, you're always pointed in a safe direction, they will send you a target. So just to be clear what this is, it is a laser round. So when you're dry firing your firearm now, in other words, firing it with no active rounds in there, you can practice your trigger pull, your grip, your sight alignment, your sight picture, all of that stuff. The problem with dry firing with no rounds is, is you have no idea where the rounds would have gone because it's empty. The eye target system is a laser round. It'll now emit a laser and you'll see exactly where the round would have gone on the target they send you. It works uh, seamlessly in conjunction very easily with a phone app. You can look at your groupings. By the end of the week, your proficiency will be through the roof. I get positive reviews. uh, I mean, daily on this, the people, every time I read for this product, they love it. Go check it out. It's available at itargetpro.com. That's itargetpro.com. Use promo code Dan for 10% off. Remember this, competitive shooters, dry fire, dry fire, 10 times more than they live fire with active rounds. Because it's the dry firing where you can practice the fine motor skills involved in firearm proficiency. Now you'll see where the rounds would have gone. itargetpro.com, promo code Dan for 10% off. So here's what I want to do right now. I have so many notes on this. I, I, I don't want to get lost. I want to describe to you what I think they're hiding and what Horowitz has uncovered. So always keep the lead in mind. 
Michael Horowitz, I believe now, is closing in on this massive scandal, and which is about to blow the doors off everybody. So he's about to expose this, and this deep state folks involved are, are panicking. Here's what I think he's going to expose. We have to go back to Uranium One and get at least a top-line executive summary understanding of what the Uranium One scandal was and why it matters in relationship to Spygate and the effort to shut down Donald Trump. Uranium One started with an informant back in about 2009, folks. What was going on, according to the allegations about the Uranium One scandal, is there was a Russian company, a Russian control company called Rosatom. It was an energy company. Rosatom had an American, they had a, a subsidiary called Tenex. Tenex bought into it, uh, had an American portion of it called Tenem. The bottom line with it, I'm trying to keep this super simple. Okay. Is back as far in 2009, according to an informant, multiple reports, and I have, uh, please read the show notes today. I know I say that a lot, but I have John Solomon's piece from last year that describes this Uranium One scandal beautifully in the show notes today. It says, this is an older piece, but please read it because the, I, I, I don't have time to give you every single small detail, but I'm going to give you the takeaways. The Rosatom company is alleged, according to an informant, to have been involved in a massive kickback and extortion scheme. So at some point, the Russians were selling their reprocessed uranium from broken down nuclear fuel back into the United States. And the allegation is, Joe, that they were charging and giving no bid contracts and building in inflated price prices in, in exchange for the no bid contracts to kick back money back to Russian, uh, Russian political figures and other people involved who were profiting from it. So let's just be clear. The Russians were selling us this reprocessed nuclear fuel, trucking companies and everybody involved were paying inflated prices, which were being used as kickbacks to other people involved in the scam. Mm -hmm. But Joe, hmm. when you're dealing with the amounts of money involved here, and they're massive, you can't do it in cash, right? Reminds me of that movie American Made with Tom Cruise, where the mm -hmm. guy's uh, trying to launder. He doesn't know what to do with his cash. He's burying it in the backyard. He's got $40 million in his garage. It's falling out of the hay barn, right? Joe, what do you usually have to do with dirty money? You got to yeah. wash it, baby. You got to wash it. <laughs> Known as money laundering. Yeah. Appropriately called money laundering. You got to wash it. Let me rewind the tape. Now it is Jeff Carlson's piece, which is a must read in the Epoch Times today, about this international money laundering scheme that all of a sudden we find, about I find out about last week. The DOJ and German authorities are investigating massive money laundering. Now does this start to make sense in their view of the world that this may be bigger than just Uranium One. Mm. There may have been, in other words, according to what people are alleging, a real Russian collusion scandal that involved a massive international money laundering operation of which even the devastating facts of Uranium One may just be a small piece of the pizza. Oh! <laughs> Can you imagine how big this could really be? Yes. Yes. It's coming. So they if that's this that is in, in essence what the original 2009 case is about. 
a kickbacks and extortion scheme in a nuke in the nuclear fuel industry for the Russians to gain influence. Now it doesn't end there. It gets worse. Keep the dates in mind too, not just the names. This is alleged to have started back in about 2009, Joe. What happens later, according to the informant, is devastating. The informant alleges that the Russians, that he was told from people with heavily influenced by Russian officials, this is an FBI paid informant, not some joker. He was paid, meaning he'd been vetted. The FBI does not pay crap informants. This guy was a legit informant. The allegations from the informant are deeply troubling, and I want to highlight two of them. Critical takeaways for you to understand, again, what this Horowitz-Muller fight is about. If Horowitz exposes this, the DOJ and the FBI who ignored a lot of this are, are going to be finished, at least at the upper levels. Critical allegation number one in the Uranium One case. That the Russians were paying a firm called APCO. And let me be clear, APCO denies any involvement. I want to give them their fair share too. I'm telling you what the informant said. But the allegation from the informant is that the Russians paid APCO, this firm, to get involved in these Uranium One negotiations while simultaneously providing in-kind support to the Clinton Foundation. In other words, the Russians were paying a firm, according to the allegations, that were also helping out for free, in-kind, the Clinton Foundation for all kinds of consulting and, and, and legal-type services, consulting services. All right. So in other words, what the guy's saying is the Russians were trying to influence the Clintons with free stuff. Okay, got it. That's the, Now, APCO denies that, but that's the allegation from the informant. You can read it yourself in the report. Mm-hmm. We'll see where that goes. Allegation number two. Number when? Number one, Russians, heavy influence involved, and they wanted to, inv- they wanted to influence the Clintons. Allegation number two is unbelievable. If you're a regular listener to the show, you know about this already, but it's worth repeating today because I'm telling you, this is national. It's the fan day. Conveniently the day before my birthday, too. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Allegation number two is that the Russians were trying to get hold of our uranium for two reasons. To become international energy players in the nuclear fuel industry given the fact that the oil prices were so volatile. But secondly, that the Russians were quietly helping the Iranians, the Iranians, build their nuclear program and nuclear infrastructure. The Iranians, who clearly want to build a nuclear weapon in an effort to, at least at a minimum, have some defensive or offensive capabilities against the United States. Oh, what? So the Russians, the allegations are in the Uranium One case that, that the Russians are simultaneously trying to influence the Clintons and the Obama administration through the paying of firms and in-kind donations and kickbacks and extortion schemes and payoffs. While they're trying to do that, the Russians are simultaneously assisting a known enemy of the United States in constructing a nuclear weapon for potentially offensive or defensive capabilities against a hostile action by the United States. Do you understand what we're talking about here? Woo! The irate, the lead sponsor of terrorism all over the world. Now, here's where. The, now, you may say, OK, so now we know the scheme. 
It's a kickback scheme. It was a Russian influence scheme. Now there's a collusion thing. Here's the real collusion. It's a Russian kickback scheme. It's a Russian influence peddling operation, according to the informant, who's a paid informant. And it's a Russian effort to help our enemies attack us. Why is this so controversial? Why would Mueller, the SSCI, and everybody be freaking out if Horowitz is about to drop this bomb? Soon. No pun intended. Because, folks, what happened with the investigation of this case by the DOJ and the FBI? All of the players involved are still involved in the Mueller probe. They don't want to be outed. Who was the FBI director in 2009 when this investigation was going down, Joe? Bob Mueller. Bob Mueller. Same guy. It's not a different Bob Mueller. It's the same guy. Who was the prosecuting United States attorney? investigating this case of a massive Russian influence operation in the United States, a potential money laundering scheme, and an effort to help our known enemy and the world's leading supporter of terror build a weapon to potentially annihilate people in the United States. Who was the United States attorney? Rod Rosenstein. Who was the FBI G-man at the top level, heavily involved in the investigation of this case? Andrew McCabe, Andrew McCabe, the deputy director who is just uh, who is, is being looked at by a grand jury right now. Andrew McCabe, who is knee deep in the crossfire hurricane investigation into Trump. Andrew McCabe, the same guy whose wife received donations when she was running as a Democrat in Virginia from Terry McAuliffe. Terry McAuliffe from Virginia, the same guy whose connections to the Clintons go back forever. Andy McCabe, the same guy being investigated for Hatch Act violations for not recusing himself from the investigation the FBI was conducting into Terry McAuliffe, a Democrat connected to the Clintons. Oh, by the way, Virginia, the same state. Senate Select Committee Intelligence Ranking Member Mark Warner, the Democrat who has been texting Russians, providing information to the, for the dossier, according to multiple reports. The same guy who was texting the lobbyist for the Russian doing that. The same guy trying to set up meetings between Christopher Steele, the producer of the dossier, dealing with Russians. These people are all connected. It is a web of stupid six feet thick. These people are not smart. They're all involved. They're the same players. Horowitz has to know this. Do you understand the same guys Horowitz is investigating are the same guys investigating Trump? Oh. I'm telling you right now, this is a, 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 a and like end of the world type fight. Or maybe a little hyperbolic, maybe a lot hyperbolic. But this is this is the this is the heavyweight fight of our generation. Somebody knows all this. And the guy who knows it, Horowitz, knows it's the same guys going after Trump to keep the heat off them. This can't be a coincidence. Now, notice I didn't tell you what I thought the DOJ malfeasance or misfeasance was. I just told you that Mueller was the FBI director and Rod Rosenstein is the prosecuting. United States attorney. So, Joe, your next question should be, so what? So they investigated a Russian influence operation in Mm -hmm. Uranium One? 
Oh, yeah, they investigated, all right. Started in 2009, Joe. Mm-hmm. When were they charged? The people involved, Mickerin and the others? They were charged in 2014. Oh, okay, Dan, so what? It took a while. No big deal. It happens. It does. Joe, wouldn't you think if you were a Department of Justice official like Rod Rosenstein, who was the United States Attorney for the for Maryland, where I worked as a Secret Service agent, mm-hmm. I actually worked under Rod Rosenstein, wouldn't you think that would be a major press release? We nailed Russians trying to pay off terrorists and an influence operation in the United States to bribe U.S. politicians. Wouldn't you think that'd be a little interesting? Yeah, feather in the cap, baby. Yeah, Feather in the cap, right? No, no, no. 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 They were charged in 2014, but when did we hear about it? We heard about it in a press release 2015, right before Labor Day. And conveniently, Joe, the informant in the case was made to sign a non-disclosure agreement. The guy who knows everything I just told you mm-hmm. about Russian efforts to influence U.S. politicians and others and, influ- and Russian efforts to support the Iranian nuclear program, our sworn enemies. The, uh, the cooperating witness in the case, the informant was, the, was uh, made to sign a non-disclosure agreement. Why? Why would he be made to do? Why shut him up? What's even more interesting about this case, as pointed out in the Solomon piece, which you definitely need to read. Joe, the plea deal that the people involved in this case who were locked up for this kickbacks and extortion scheme. The plea deal only covers transactions after 2011. Wait, Dan, come on, daddy. Oh, you're confusing us. You just said a minute ago this extortion scheme for our in our nuclear fuel industry started in 2009. Mm-hmm. Why would everybody involved in this? Why would they only why would the government only make people take a plea for transactions that happened after 2011? Because what happened in 2010? Oh, the CFIUS board, the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. Who sits on that? Oh, Eric Holder, Obama's former attorney general. And Hillary Clinton, who sit on that CFIUS board, in 2010 approved what? Approved the sale of a Canadian company called Uranium One to the exact same company, Rosatom, who was being investigated in 2009 for this kickback and extortion scheme. We sold 20% of our uranium to a company that was involved in a massive international scheme to influence U.S. politicians. And what did the DOJ under Eric Holder do? He sat on the board that approved this thing along with Hillary Clinton unanimously. Now does it make sense, Joe, why the plea deal Mm -hmm. released on Labor Day Mm -hmm. a year after the charges, they would only Mm. mention stuff that happened after Mm. we agreed to sell our uranium to sworn enemies? Mm. Now does it make sense? Hey, buddy. We're going to pretend that 2010 and 2009 stuff didn't happen. Well, why would we do that? Well, because that's right around the time that Bill Clinton went overseas and gave a $500,000 speech to a Russian bank, Renaissance, this Renaissance capital, a financial institution, excuse me, that had raided the Uranium One deal for the Russians, a really good deal. About the same time Bill Clinton gave that 500, not five, $500,000 speech paid for by a financial outlet heavily involved in the Uranium One sale. He wanted to meet also with Victor Vexelberg because his staff was asking the State Department for permission. Clinton wanted to meet with Vexelberg, the head of the Skolkovo project, 
which turned out later on to be a Russian effort to steal our technology to use in their military hardware to attack us. Same, he requested to meet with the guy on that trip. A project, by the way, Hillary Clinton deeply supported and the Clinton Foundation, 20 of the 27, what, people or 19 of the 27 companies involved in this Russian technology effort overseas to steal our stuff to use in their military hardware, right? Mm. 20 of those companies involved donated to the Clinton Foundation as she actively used her power to support the Skolkovo project which will go down in infamy as one of the great Russian scam jobs on us of all time. He better not plead guilty to those 2009, 2010 charges. Why? Because then someone's going to have to say to Eric Holder, Hey, dude, you sat on this CFIUS board. You knew it was your department of justice investigating Rosatom. The company that bought Uranium One for a massive international kickback scheme. How did you say yes to this? Oh, Mueller was the FBI director and Rosenstein was the prosecuting United States attorney? Do you understand Horowitz knows all this? Do you understand why now last week the FBI might be intimately interested in what a whistleblower in the Uranium One Clinton Foundation case knows? Why they'd want to know everything? They're not going to make the evidence disappear. They're probably pouring over it right now going, Joe, look what else he's got. How do we defend ourselves against this? Mm. Then they can't make the evidence disappear. They did it in front of your very eyes. Just like the Spygate thing happened. You know, Spygate happened in front of your eyes. The guy working for the government, Stefan Halper, as an intelligence asset, was emailing people on the Trump team. He wasn't using a fake name. These people are stupid. These are not smart people. I never forget Father Bob Sirico at this Acton Institute seminar. I was listening to it on C-SPAN one day. He said, it's not that government's too big. It's that it's too stupid. And he's right. These people are not smart. They were texting each other. Peter Stroke and Lisa Page texting each other. The whole corruption scandal is available in an openly available text stream. They weren't even classified communications uh, devices they were using. These people are not smart. They're stupid. And Horowitz knows they're stupid. That's why the, I can't believe Warner this weekend. He goes on Face the Nation. And again, hat tip the treehouse guys for pointing this out. He goes on Face the Nation and tells the, the host, yeah, basically we're working with the Mueller probe to get a bunch of people locked up on the, <laughs> the Trump team. You, you think? Warner, you're knee deep in this whole thing. You were the one texting the lobbyist working for the Russian Deripaska at the center of this whole thing. The Russians were feeding information to the Clinton team to use against Trump. It's obvious. Warner knows this. Warner knows this. By the way, the guy Faruqi, who has been, uh, Alec, they were, again, everybody's innocent or proven mm-hmm. guilty. I don't mean, but it's, you know, I'm like the Democrats. I'm not a police state tyrant. But I have another story in the show notes today Fox News. Sky Abdel Farouki, and Jeff Carlson covers it in his piece too, was locked up a few days. For what, Joe? For allegations of defrauding the Pentagon out of billions of dollars. Who was Farouki a donor to? Oh, the Clinton Foundation and Dianne Feinstein. 
the exact same woman Mark Warner took over for on the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, whose staffer, Dan Jones, appears in the text mentioning both the Russian Christopher Steele and Mark Warner. Folks, listen to me. The same exact people who have been funneling information from Russian sources into the justice system to disingenuously make Trump appear to be a Russian colluder. It's all lies. The same exact people were involved in an actual scam with the Russians to sell our nuclear fuel to an enemy who was supporting the missile program of the world's leading sponsor of terror while being arrested for a massive kickback and extortion scheme. The same political players who targeted Trump were involved in making that scheme happen. Let me read to you a text. This is from uh, the conservative treehouse guys today. Here's a text. Adam Waldman, again, a lobbyist working with a Russian connected to Putin, Deripaska. Who, according to a lot of reports now, has some suspicious interactions with people involved in the production of the dossier. This guy's connected to Putin. He's been forever. He's a wealthy guy. He has a lobbyist working for him. This is a text to the same U.S. senator who went on Face the Nation this week and admitted to using the Mueller probe to get people on the Trump team locked up. Waldman texts texts Mark Warner about Christopher Steele, and he starts talking about a guy named Dan. Dan Jones, who's a staffer for Dianne Feinstein, who is also on the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. Here's the text, April 25th, 2017. From Waldman. I just talked to Chris again. He's talking about Chris Steele. I can't convince him to do a call first. He's under a lot of duress for your information. He said Dan Jones is coming to see you. I suggest you explain to Dan why a call is a necessary first step rather than a letter from your perspective. He's trying to get a letter to get Chris Steele uh, from Mark Warner to get Chris Steele into the United States. The informant for Hillary Clinton with all the bogus dossier stuff. Why is Warner involved in this? Waldman's the same guy, Waldman, the lobbyist working for Deripaska, a Russian deeply tied to Putin. He's also working for Chris Steele, and he's also in communications with Dianne Feinstein's staffer, who's still working with Fusion GPS, according to multiple reports after the campaign, to try to prove the dossier. These are the same people. Faruqi, charged with, uh, again, charged with uh, defrauding the Pentagon, was a donor to Feinstein, was a donor to the Clinton Foundation. Now to all these cases, coming, is it starting to come together? Why the whole take it easy thing? Listen, I'm not, I don't want you to think that the, the take it easy thing is like everything's great, it's all peachy. Right. There's going to be 65,000 indictments. Everybody's going uh, to, the, to, the, to the lockup. I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you from a, as, as sober a perspective as I can tell you that people are being, in, there is no question in my mind, this is absolutely that, that hits the fan day. And there are people right now who are panicking, who understand that you're involved. Here, from the Treehouse guys again, John Brennan, another three-letter agency guy, knee-deep in this. Remember, the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, remember the lead, and Bob Mueller are fighting right now in this end-of-times fight 
against the Horowitz people who are investigating this massive Uranium One Russian global money laundering scheme because it's the same players. The Mueller team is desperate to keep the heat on the Trump team, to keep the heat off the players involved in the investigation of the Trump team who are involved in the scandal Horowitz is investigating. Brennan knew all this about the effort to launder information from the Russians into the U.S. government to benefit the Hillary team. How? Here's a quote from Brennan. Again, in consultation with the White House. I personally briefed the full details of our understanding of Russian attempts to interfere in the election, i.e. the dossier, to congressional leadership, specifically Senators Harry Reid, Mitch McConnell, Dianne Feinstein, and Richard Burr. Then he goes on for some House members between uh, the 11th of August and the 6th of September, 2016. I provided the same briefing to each of the gang of eight members. Brennan knew what he was doing. He took the dossier funded by Hillary Clinton's team, chock full of Russian lies from a Russian disinformation campaign. Brennan took this information and admits to briefing the members of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, Dianne Feinstein included, whose staffer leaves to then go work for the company laundering the information, Fusion GPS. These are the same people. The international money laundering allegations with Faruqi, donor to Feinstein, the people involved in the Uranium One scandal, Eric Holder, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, Rod Rosenstein, Bob Mueller. There is a war going on right now inside the government. It is clear as day if you're just paying attention. Those two stories I told you in the beginning are not mutually exclusive. Yes, the Clinton team is screwed. And yes, the FBI and DOJ management involved in this thing and the Mueller people are panicking. Those are not mutually exclusive stories. They are symbiotic. All right, I got one more reading. I want to tie this up for you. This is some really crazy stuff, folks. All right, folks, uh, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at 23andMe. Now, through December 25th, 23andMe DNA kits are available. 23andMe helps you understand what your DNA can tell you about you and your family's story. It's named for the 23 pairs of chromosomes that make up your DNA. Uh, 23andMe Ancestry Service includes 90-plus personalized genetic reports that offer DNA insights on what makes you unique. It's easy to do. Uh, you, I did it. You simply spit into the tube provided in your 23andMe kit, register your sample, your personal 23andMe account, and in a few weeks, you received your personalized online reports. It's pretty simple. I got my. I found out we may have a little bit of French in us, too, which I was kind of surprised. Wee oui, wee. Oui. I didn't know that. My daughter takes uh-huh. French in schools. <laughs> hey, you, can, you can take the wellness report. Learn how your genes play a role in your well-being and lifestyle choices. Take the muscle composition report. You have the genetic muscle composition common in elite powerlifters. I found out I did, which I thought was pretty cool. Studies have found that almost all elite power athletes have a specific genetic variant in a gene related to muscle composition. You might have that version of the gene too. Sleep movement. I also found out I'm a restless sleeper, which I heard, which I knew. But uh, you know, I find out my, it's my genes. Do your arms and legs twitch while you're sleeping? The 23andMe Sleep Movement Report. You can discover how your genetics may be influencing how you move your arms and legs. They also have things like the cilantro taste aversion. Many people dislike cilantro, describing the taste as soapy. Do you have the genetic markers associated with this aversion? Now through December 25th, you can get 30% off any 23andMe kit. 
Order your DNA kit at 23andMe.com slash Bongino. That's the, uh, that's the number, 23andMe.com slash Bongino. The number, 23andMe.com slash Bongino. Again, that's 23andMe.com slash Bongino. Um, go check it out. Folks, I, I can't express to you again in strong enough terms how deep this whole thing goes and why I have spent my entire uh, I mean, free time, really, over the weekend, everything else, putting this together for you. Let me read to you from just quickly again from John Solomon's older piece in The Hill about the Uranium One scandal so you understand how this fight going on right now to put the lead out there for the fourth or fifth time. There is one side of the ledger, the Horowitz probe, the inspector general that is likely right now working with the, the DOJ, Huber and others who I wish would have worked a little faster to, to at a minimum publicly disclose the involvement of a number of prominent political law enforcement and intel players in a massive scheme by the Russians and money laundering people to influence United States government policy when it comes to nuclear fuel and other things. The Mueller probe, people involved in the Mueller probe are investigating Trump to keep the attention off themselves in conjunction with the SSCI. Here's from Solomon's old piece so you understand how knee deep this is. The investigation, he's talking about the Uranium One investigation, was ultimately supervised by then U.S. Attorney Rod Rosenstein, an Obama appointee who now serves as President Trump's Deputy Attorney General, and then Assistant FBI Director uh, Andrew McCabe, now the FBI Director under Trump. This is a while ago when he was acting. Both men now play a key role in the current investigation into possible but still unproven collusion between Russia and Donald Trump's campaign during the 2016 election cycle. McCabe is under uh, under Congressional and Justice Department Inspector General investigation in connection with money his wife's Senate campaign accepted in 2015 from now Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe at a time when McAuliffe was reportedly under investigation by the FBI himself. The probe is not focused on McAuliffe's conduct, but rather on whether McCabe's attendance violated the Hatch Act or other FBI rules. The connections to the current Russia case are many. The Mikarin probe, that's the probe into Rosatom and the, uh, the precursors to the Uranium One deal, began in 2009 when Bob Mueller, now the special counsel, was still FBI director. Folks, I, I, here, can I read you one more? Yeah, go ahead. Man. An FBI informant connected to the Uranium One controversy told three congressional committees in a written statement that Moscow routed millions of dollars to America with the expectation it would be used to benefit Bill Clinton's charitable efforts while Secretary of State Hillary Clinton quarterbacked a, quote, a, quote, reset in Russian relations. Now, does it make sense why Bob Mueller would appoint a bunch of Trump-hating Democrats for a special counsel? Yeah. Two of them uh, who are very heavily involved in the Clinton space, Jeannie Ree, who was a donor and a representative legally of the Clinton Foundation. Wow, really? The Clinton Foundation? Like Bill Clinton, the one who took all that money to go over to Russia and deal with the Skolkovo guy? or at least he tried to, and took 500000 from a bank involved in the Uranium One deal? Jeannie Ree represented the Clinton Foundation? Wow, that's fascinating. What about Aaron Zebley, another member of the special counsel team? 
Zebley, the guy who represented Justin Cooper. Remember that name? Justin Cooper. The guy who represented Justin Cooper, the Clinton staffer who's alleged to have been personally involved in the destruction of Blackberries and email chains. What was in those email chains? Does somebody in the inspector general's office, Joe, know what was in those email chains? Was the discovery of Anthony Weiner's computer up in New York a goldmine of 33,000 missing emails that may have intimate descriptions of exactly what the Clintons and Obama administration officials were doing while this international money laundering and nuclear energy kickback and extortion scheme was going on? Wouldn't that be interesting? Stay tuned. Do not. Do not, under any circumstances, miss the Sean Hannity show tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, I got more for you this week. I haven't even scratched the surface. But it's finally coming out. I told you Solomon knows it all. More coming. So stay tuned. Also, folks, in closing, at the end of the show, I just want to also acknowledge, sorry, I'm at a little loss for words, uh, a genuine American hero and a patriot, as we all know, President George H.W. Bush passed at the age of 94. Um, I had some uh, limited working experience with him as a Secret Service agent when I was on the president's detail. But, uh, you know, we have to keep in mind this guy's uh, life of public service was not just uh, relegated to his presidency. He was vice president, the CIA director, was a U.S. ambassador. And uh, I just remember working with his detail up in Kenny Bunkport and um, how the guys over there on the detail thought of him as more of, as I said this morning in an appearance on Fox, and I meant it more of like an uncle or a father figure. Um, he was a good man, folks. I mean, I get it. A lot of people can disagree with the politics of uh, Bush family, George H.W., or that's fine. I mean, that's what we do in our system, but he was a good man. And um, I didn't spend the whole show on it today, obviously, because of, uh, the, the coverage is available on cable news, and I think you can get a lot of that there. But I think it's important that uh, you know we recognize a man's service to the country. He was a, he was a fighter pilot. He, was a, a combat, he has combat experience. He was a, he was a good man. Uh, I remember also calling his detail once and asking for an autographed picture. And I had called a bunch of other presidential details. Some of them told me to pound sand. I was a young Secret Service agent. His guys were like, oh, he'd be happy to do it. I, and I still have that picture. So um, I appreciate you giving me a moment just to just to bring that up. Thanks. Please subscribe to the show. I appreciate it. Please subscribe on iTunes. It's free on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio. It helps us move up the charts. I really appreciate your support of the show, folks. We, had a, we were the number two conservative podcast in the country last week. Thanks to you. You all are the best. I really mean it. You've made my life and my, you've given me some serious meaning on this side. Uh, I love doing this stuff. All right. I'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks so much. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.